What's going on, guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Thursday, so time to go over every game, talk about the running backs I'd be starting and sitting this week. More news is absolutely going to drop after this video is uploaded. And so when that happens, just refer to my most up-to-date rankings on my website, thefaceballadvice.com. So let's get things started off with tonight's game, Colts at Broncos. This one has a low 42.5 point total, Broncos three-point home favorites. For the Colts, it all depends on the status of Jonathan Taylor, which I don't know yet, but you probably do. This one is very simple, though. If Taylor plays, you need to assume that he's healthy enough to earn the start, be out there for pretty much his normal workload. Maybe they pull him back a little bit, but it doesn't matter. If he's starting, you're playing him. You're not going to bench him if he's active. If he is out, then I would start Hines. I have him projected to be like a, a mid to low end running back two if Taylor is out. And that's taking into account the matchup and honestly also being relatively conservative with his workload. I didn't give him 20 carries and seven targets. Like I think I only gave him like 10 or 11 total carries in the projection with Taylor out. Still grades out really, really well. So if Taylor's out, play Hines. If Taylor's in, play Taylor. I would say that Philip Lindsay is viable in like deep formats, maybe like 14 team leagues, 16 team leagues, both with maybe like multiple flex spots. Then maybe you can play Lindsay um, again if Taylor is out. But I would say for most of you in an 8, 10, 12 team league, I just wouldn't play Philip Lindsay. Uh, and I do think Hines is fine to play if Taylor's active. If you assume maybe they're trailing, maybe they do give Hines a little bit more workload. Um, but I'd only do that in full PPR formats, and it still would not be a must-start by any means. For the Broncos, we unfortunately have Javonta Williams tearing his ACL and his LCL. He's going to be done for the year, might not even start next season healthy, which is pretty awful. That leaves the backfield to Mike Boone, Melvin Gordon, and the newly acquired Latavius Murray. Murray joined the team just like a few days ago. I think they activate him, but there's even a chance they don't even activate him. Like, I don't think he's going to be very involved. It's pretty unlikely that, you know, they bring him in and after like two, three days with the team, all of a sudden he's going out there and getting the most touches of anyone in the backfield. Like that's probably not going to happen. Uh, I would add Murray because I think in future weeks, maybe use him for this week. There's just no way you're starting Latavius Murray unless some like report comes out that he's going to get a ton of touches, which I'm not expecting to happen. I would expect Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone to get most of the touches this week with Gordon getting more than Boone, especially on early downs. I don't think Mike Boone's all that good. Uh, he's just, you know, he, he's not good in the receiving game. He hasn't been great on the ground. Like, he, Melvin Gordon's definitely better. Now, could Melvin Gordon have, like, his fifth fumble of the season? They'll return another one for a touchdown, and then maybe they do lean on Latavius. Maybe they do lean on Mike Boone, certainly. But I would say unless he fumbles, we should see Gordon with around, like, 15 to 17 touches, maybe like seven, eight, nine touches for Boone, maybe three to five touches for Murray, but that one has a lot of variance because, again, he could just simply not get any. Uh, remember that Javante Williams, even when he was playing as clearly their best running back, he has touch counts of 18, 16, 18, and 11 thus far this season. And even with those touch counts, there were plenty of games where he wasn't like all that amazing in fantasy. So for us to think that we get a potential three-man rotation of all worse running backs, it's not like all these guys are going to be studs. So you're playing Melvin Gordon if you have him. I honestly don't think you need to start Mike Boone, but if you're in a desperate situation, you have to do it. Sure, go for it. 
Next up, we've got another London game. I emphasized it pretty well last week, but uh, Kamara, I think, was started, and someone tweeted out like 90% of ESPN leagues just because people didn't check their lineups. So I'll say it again. Set your alarm. If you don't plan on waking up before 9.30, there could absolutely be, and that's 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 for those of you on the West Coast, and that's even if you think everyone is going to be active. We thought Kamara was going to play last week, then he's inactive. Same thing could happen this week, so make sure you check uh, before the game kicks off. It'll be Packers as like the home favorites. Again, it's a road game for both teams. Uh, but Packers, eight-point favorites. Another low total game, 41.5. For the Giants, hopefully they get Wondell Robinson back this week. But even if that remains true, their entire wide receiver core is hurt. And so Saquon is going to get all the touches he can handle. You're absolutely starting him in any matchup every week. For the Packers, they are eight-point favorites. It is incredibly unlikely they will be trailing in this game. You are starting Aaron Jones every week. I don't care what the matchup is. I don't care anything about the game. Start Aaron Jones all the time. And I think this week, A.J. Dillon is also a start. He leads the team in red zone carries, carries inside the 10, inside the 5. Like He's being used a ton. He just hasn't scored, I believe, since week one. The Packers are projected to score three touchdowns this week. They have a positive game script. A lot of scoring opportunities for A.J. Dillon. I think you play him if you have him. Chargers at Browns. Up next, this one has a 47.5 point total. Chargers three-point road favorites. You're starting Eckler. You're starting Chubb every week. The only decision in this game comes down to Kareem Hunt. The Chargers rank 30th in yards per carry allowed, while the Browns rank 4th in yards per carry, 2nd in rush DVOA. I haven't been a huge fan of Hunt in like the last two weeks, but I think you're just playing him as a low-end running back to this week. He should get around 15 touches, should be very efficient with those touches, and definitely has a good chance of scoring this week. So I'd play him if you got him. Bears at Vikings is up next. 44-point total. Vikings, 7-point home favorites. For the Bears, really just comes down to David Montgomery. Fairly easy, though. It's the same thing as always. If Montgomery plays, start him. If not, start Herbert. Doesn't matter what the matchup is. That's what you're doing. For the Vikings, pretty much the exact same thing. Although Cook isn't like expected to miss this week, whereas it's like Montgomery could actually miss. I'm just saying like every week of the Vikings, the take is exactly the same. If Cook is playing, play him and no one else. If Cook is not playing, play Madison and no one else. It's very simple to go over those teams. Titans at Commanders is up next. This one has a 42.5 point total. Titans two and a half point road favorites for the titans obviously start derrick henry for the commanders we'll see uh brian robinson is eligible to return this week but it's not a lock that he's going to be playing they did activate him he can start practicing again as of right now as of recording this i'm not sure if he's going to be playing in the game if he does play i don't know how much he's going to play uh so Basically, just watch the rankings on this one. I'll see what reports come out. There'll definitely be plenty of reports later on in this week on like Friday, Saturday, kind of indicating what their plans are, what his exact timeline is. And really, there's just a bunch of different outcomes that are possible. You know, he could be active and only play a few snaps. He could be inactive. He could be active and, you know, rotate in as much as Gibson. Like anything is possible. And so it's pretty impossible right now to give a take on exactly where the rankings are going to be. Um, I'll say that like if he's active, you know, McKissick probably isn't the greatest start, but in full PPR leagues that are super deep, 
I guess you could play him. Uh, but really for everyone, it's just going to depend on what news comes out. I'll say if um, Robinson is not playing, it's basically the same as it has been in past week. You're probably playing Gibson and McKissick would be fine in full PPR leagues. Uh, but again, we just kind of have to see uh, what the news is going to be. Next up. Texans at Jaguars, 44.5 point total. Jaguars, 7 point home favorites. For the Texans, he's not going to go off every week. And despite what you saw last week, the Jaguars do have a really good run defense. But Damian Pierce, again, got 100% of the running back carries and he had all the carries in the entire game. Also adds in six receptions on top of that this week. Didn't do anything with those receptions, but like the fact that he's getting more workload in the passing game while getting all of the running back touches, I just feel like even in difficult matchups, you kind of just have to start them at this point. For the Jaguars, they had a rough week, uh, but so do most teams when they play the Eagles. We were hoping, now the weather got in the way a little bit, but we were hoping that the Jaguars would go out there and they would have just like a, a good game. Not, not an elite game. No one's going to have an elite game against the Eagles. But if they even had a good game last week, we'd be just all in on Jacksonville this season. Didn't happen, um, but again, on the road in Philly, playing through what used to be a hurricane, like not the greatest conditions. With that being said, um, they didn't look like fantastic, but it's like you have to kind of mix in the weather. Like they had four drives that ended because of Trevor Lawrence fumbles. That doesn't happen in a game where it's not a hurricane, right? Like that, just, that sort of thing doesn't happen. And so it's difficult to fully assess how they would have done because it's not like they were making terrible reads and they were getting picks or they were being stopped because they weren't being successful in offense. It was like they were they were quarterback fumbles. And so it's just like a weird thing to kind of assess. Um, but, you know, I still believe in this offense long term. I still want pieces of this offense. And, you know, they're touchdown favorites right now. Going into the season, we would not have expected that to be the case. Now, last week, we have ETN out-touching and out-snapping Robinson. I would say that was more due to the game script. Like, if you have a positive game script this week, then I would expect Robinson to get more touches, more snaps than ETN. But it's possible that, you know, this is effectively ETN's rookie season. Like, this is his fifth game of his career, so he could start to just get more and more touches. Also, Uh, James Robinson now leads the NFL in percent of carries that go less than a yard. Uh, And he has 4.4 yards per carry, but he's got two carries over 35 yards. Like a 37-yard carry and a 50-yard carry. Aside from those two, his other 57 carries, he's gained only three yards per carry. So he's still a good running back. He's still having a good season. It's possible that his three touchdowns and two big plays are kind of like inflating his numbers and making it look a little bit better than what he's going to do on average. Now, I think you can just play him in the flex every week and be fine with that because you have some receptions. He'll get a good amount of usage and a good like chance of scoring. But there is a chance that if he like remains relatively inefficient, that they do start to shift a little bit more work to Etienne. As for Etienne, I think he's like a lower end flex play. Again, I think they're going to give James Robinson more touches, and so I'd rather play him, but he's very explosive. They're big time favorites. You know, I think you can definitely play him in the flex. Seahawks at Saints is up next. 45.5 point total. Saints, 5.5 point home favorites. For the Seahawks, Penny exploded last week, 
although it's worth noting, it was in the number one matchup for running backs. He now has 58% of the Seahawks carries, 4% target share, so that's a little bit concerning, but that's still like good usage, right? That's a very high share of the team's carries. Um, problem is, long-term, they're obviously going to keep using like Ken Walker, and so he's probably going to get you know, a few more touches as the season goes along. I wouldn't expect over the, the rest of the season for Penny to get, you know, 60% of the carries and like a 4% target share. Maybe the 4% target share can hold. But 60% of the carries probably won't happen long term. It's difficult also to know when that shift is going to happen. Um, the Saints have allowed the fourth fewest yards per carry to running backs. And the five total targets on the year is obviously a concern for Penny, he's getting more uh, third down snaps. He's getting more usage in the passing game, but he has again five targets through four games. That isn't enough to say he doesn't have like a three point floor. He could go out there and score three, four points this week, and you shouldn't be that shocked. So I think he's an upside play in the flex, but again, definitely one that has a low floor. And they're not playing the worst run defense in the NFL this week. The Saints have like a you know a much much better defense. As for the Saints. It depends on Kamara. If he's active, play him. If he's inactive, play Ingram. Uh, I know Ingram had a bad game last week, but he left with an injury during the Latavius Murray touchdown drive, and then he gets vultured by Taysom Hill when he returns later in the game. On average, he has a better week. He just got hurt at like a terrible time and he got vultured at a bad time as well. Uh, Murray is in Denver now, and so again, if Kamara's out, play Ingram. Falcons at Bucks is up next. 48-point total on the higher totals of the week, Bucks eight and a half point home favorites. For the Falcons, Patterson is on the IR now, and so the backfield is Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley, and Avery Williams, but I wouldn't expect him to get all that many touches. Algier had twice as many snaps as Huntley last week, performed better and is a better prospect, so you would think that sort of continues. My guess is he sees around like 40 to 50% of the team's rush attempts. Mariota will probably take around 20%. And then Huntley just kind of gets, you know, what's left. Maybe a few percent go to Williams. I don't even know if he's going to be active. He probably will be, but I wouldn't expect him to get a ton. This is a horrible spot as, you know, more than a touchdown road underdog against the Bucs. Like that, that's a horrid spot to be. So Algier is the only one you can consider playing. And I would only do so as like a low-end flex play. He's my running back 29 right now. And I would assume that most of you have like a wide receiver. You could play over him the flex. So we find benching him. If you need it at running back two, it's fine. But again, awful spot. For the Bucks, this is a fantastic spot, right? They're home touchdown favorites. They're playing a Falcons defense that ranks 27th in rush defense DVOA. 27th in yards per carry allowed they're not good against the run and they're going to be losing like th this is a fantastic spot for the bucks it is a get right spot for their entire offense we could see them score 30 34 points this week they do have the third highest uh, projected team total on the week behind only the bills and the chiefs you're starting Fournette this week and white could be used uh, maybe in the flex in like a deeper format Maybe like the second flex spot in a 14-team league, something like that. Uh, maybe in like full PPR format to lean towards that. Uh, they're kind of doing like maybe like two drives or so go to Leonard Fournette. And then like the next drive goes to uh, White. 
that's fine. But like, you know, if he doesn't score, he's not worth it. And I would say for the vast majority of you, 8, 10, 12 team leagues, White needs to be owned in all of them as a very high upside handcuff and someone who could get, you know, more snaps each week, more production. But right now, it's thin. Like, I, I probably wouldn't play him again, play Fournette. Dolphins at Jets is up next. This game has a 44-point total. Dolphins, three-and-a-half-point road favorites. For the Dolphins, Mostert separated as the lead back last week, while Edmonds is still being their featured red zone weapon. The Jets' run defense has allowed the third most yards per carry, and you would imagine that Miami would lean on the ground game more now that Tua's out with the concussion, like, just makes sense they would shift a little bit more of the overall plays to the ground game neither running back projects super well in this spot since they are splitting the workload and they do bring uh, chase Edmonds in near the goal line but i think both are playable in the flex with my lean towards moster because if they're winning this game if they want to lean on him he should be efficient he is the one they want to give more carries to and he has you know some reception upside maybe can catch a pass or two uh, but for Edmonds, like I have him in one of my three leagues, and I'm not even really considering him as a start right now. And this is a 12-team league, half PPR, with two flex spots, and I lost Javonta Williams. So that kind of gives you like a general gauge. I think most people, when you're considering that flex, because there's no way Edmonds is running back too, when you're considering that flex spot, I just feel like most people either have another running back they slightly prefer more, or you have a wide receiver, you can play over him in the flex. It just it doesn't feel like a great time to play Edmonds. For the Jets, Brees Hall has now taken over as their lead back. He's getting more carries, more targets than Carter, which makes sense. I mean, he's a better player, and he's also been more efficient this season. Now, this is a pretty bad spot against a strong Miami defense, but this is a winnable game for New York. They're not going to be in that many winnable games this season. Like They can win this week. He's coming off a game, talking about Hall here, where he had a 66% snap share. He handled 17 carries. He commanded six targets. Like, he's getting a really solid workload, and I think you can play him as an upside running back, too, with Carter being like a low-end flex play, someone I probably wouldn't want to play. Steelers at Bills is up next. 47-point total Bills. 14-point home favorites. I believe that is the largest uh, favorite of any team so far this season. I think we had a team that was up at like maybe like 11 or 12, but I don't think we've had 14 yet. For the Steelers, this is like the worst spot you can imagine. You're projected to lose by two touchdowns. You're going against uh, a very strong Bills defense. You're on the road. You're only projected to score in like the, you know, mid to upper teens for points. Like, bad spot. Pickett is also potentially going to scramble more than Trubisky. And so we never know, and we don't have enough data to really know what his target shares are going to be, what, you know, his, um, basically how much he's going to lean on dumping to running backs. We don't really know that just yet. We probably need a few weeks to fully understand what he prefers. But again, terrible spot, potentially a low volume spot if Buffalo can get up and really slow down this game. And if, you know, in Buffalo is a terrible spot to play, if we have like a few three and outs, like we could just see like no play volume for the Steelers here. And so that's a concern. I'll say if you drafted Najee Harris pretty early, which you definitely did, and you need to play him Ernie Mac too, it is fine. He could still score a touchdown and get a few dump offs. So he could still be productive. But 
if you are looking at your team and you're like, I mean, maybe you hit on some of these like, you know, mid-range, like mid-round running backs and you're like, I'd prefer to play them. I am totally fine doing that. I think he's 28th right now in my running back rankings. For the Bills, obviously a good spot, you know, two touchdown, home favorite. Steelers defense has honestly been gashed on the ground so far this season. Now, Josh Allen does cap the running back upside because he runs so many touchdowns in and he throws so many touchdowns. Like he just, you know, is the person scoring the vast majority of touchdowns of this offense. And so it's unlikely of Singletary getting like a two touchdown game. Could happen, but he probably needed at least one of them to be receiving. But he's getting enough of a workload. He's being, you know, productive enough that in such a good spot in a game where we're expecting them to be able to use running backs. And then also you've got Crowder with the injury. Um, I believe it was what, the fractured ankle. You've got uh, McKenzie with the concussion. You've got Kumaro with the knee injury. Like, if none of these dudes can play this week... Maybe they do lean on the running backs a little bit more because they don't trust the wide receivers as much. So, good spot. I think you're playing Singletary. I don't think you can trust any of the other ones, though. Uh, Lions at Patriots. Up next, 45.5 point total. Patriots, three-point home favorites. For the Lions, we should expect another week of Jamal Williams as a lead back. I don't think they would rush back Swift, given they're on by next week. They're just going to have him healthy. Try to bring back like all their players in Week 7. Playing at New England is not great. That's a very difficult place to play. But Jamal has performed well enough. He's going to get enough touches. They're missing enough playmakers overall that I think if you have them, just play them at running back two this week. For the Patriots, Detroit is the number one matchup for running backs. They are favorites. They're at home. Mac Jones might not be playing again this week. You should be playing Stevenson and Harris on Sunday. Both of them should have great games. Both of them have like a 70 to 80% chance of scoring a touchdown, something crazy like that. Like this is a smash spot for both of them. Please play both. Four o'clock games kick off with 49ers at Panthers. This is the lowest total game of the week and only 39 points. 49ers are six and a half point road favorites. So that is just terrible news for the Panthers, though it's Chris McCaffrey storm every week for the 49ers. Keep starting Jeff Wilson as like a running back two, basically, until Tyrion Davis-Price returns. Again, they don't want to overload him, but he should get around 15 to 18 touches. Has about a 60% chance of scoring this week, and that's just worth starting at running back two. Obviously, yes, he could have one target, zero receptions, 15 carries for like 60 yards and score six points. Totally possible, but any running back getting this level of workload where no other running backs are really getting any touches. Yes, wide receivers are, but uh, no other running backs are mixing in. You play them as a running back too. Eagles at Cardinals is up next. 49-point total. Eagles, 5.5-point road favorites. For the Eagles, Miles Sanders has touch counts of 20, 16, and 29 over the last three weeks. And now has 49% of the rushing opportunities, which is impressive because Hertz has 32% of the opportunities. Uh, Miles Sanders is a player we have always liked. The only issue with him has ever been, you know, he's very efficient, just never gets enough opportunities. But he's finally now getting those opportunities, and so you should absolutely be playing him this week. For the Cardinals, James Conner's averaging 3.2 yards per carry, and he's not scoring every other touch like he did last year. 
against a very strong Eagles defense, I would definitely be fine benching James Conner this week. He could always fall into the end zone. It's James Conner. He could have, you know, 15 carries for 15 yards and two touchdowns and be worth the start. But it's a terrible spot. We're not projecting a ton of touchdowns for Arizona. And so if you've got a better option, which you probably do, I'd go with them. Cowboys at Rams is up next. This game is a 43.5 point total. Rams 4.5 point home favorites. For Dallas, we're going to get another week of Cooper Rush as a starting quarterback, which means another week that they're going to lean on the running backs, have Rush more being like a game manager. That is not likely to be like overly successful in offense against the Rams. So I'm not super optimistic about either of their running backs. Um, but the touch expectation should still be there for both of them. And so I think they're in flex consideration, but they're more like low-end flex plays. If you've got Tony Pollard, you've got Ezekiel Elliott, you can play them as a low, low, low-end running back too, but like the odds you're super pumped about that is pretty low. So then you shift them into the flex and it's like, well, you might have a wide receiver you like over them. So I'm cool benching both of them this week. Again, not a good spot for the running backs. But I understand that some people kind of have to play one of them. And so in the deeper format, it's fine. For the Rams, Cam Akers ranks second behind James Robinson in percent of carries that gain less than one yard. While Henderson is leading the league in that category, almost never being stopped short of a yard. If this continues, if Akers continues to be horrible, you have to think they're going to shift more workload to Henderson. Like, Akers is still operating as a lead back, but you've got to think they're going to move more towards Henderson. The problem is we have no clue when they'll make that switch, and Dallas also has a really good defense. So this is another backfield where I'd prefer to just bench both running backs. The Sunday night game is going to be Bengals at Ravens, 48.5 point total, Ravens three-point home favorites. For the Bengals... Not a good spot. The Ravens have allowed the fewest yards per carry in the league while also allowing the most yards per pass attempt and the most passing yards per game. This is a very clear pass funnel spot for Cincy. They're probably going to lean on the passing attack and they're probably going to be very successful in doing that. So we shouldn't expect much opportunity, much yardage for Mixon on the ground. With that being said, Mixon's still a good pass catcher, and receptions are worth more than carries anyways, and targets are worth more than carries. And so given his volume expectation, you're still just playing him every week. Doesn't matter. This is a terrible spot. For the Ravens, Dobbins had 13 carries, four receptions last week on 50% of the snaps. That's like you know, pretty encouraging volume again in his second game back from like a catastrophic knee injury. He's been incredibly inefficient with those touches, unfortunately. Uh, but again, not surprising. The knee injury was like insane. Like he, he tore so many different things in the knee. And so coming back, we're not expecting him to be efficient uh, in these first few weeks. The touchdown upside is obviously through the roof. We saw that last week. He could score two, three touchdowns anytime he's on the field. But I'll say until his efficiency increases, the best I can really project him at is kind of like a low-end flex play. Someone you could use, again, at running back two if you are desperate. That's probably going to come into, into play in like a few weeks when we get into bye weeks. More injuries start getting piled up. And it's like, you know, you can be a little more liberal with like who you're putting at that running back two spot. I'd say right now, um, I'd still prefer not to play him. But again, he, he could have 30 total yards 
but fall into the end zone, end zone twice. Like that could still happen. I just understand he hasn't been very efficient. I'd still prefer to bench him. Monday night game, Raiders at Chiefs, high, highest total of the week, 51 points, Chiefs, seven point home favorites. For the Raiders, Jacobs is up to 78% of the team's carries and just under a 9% target share. They also finally won a game this last week, and so he finally had a positive game script and thus had a good game. The game script will probably be worse this week. I suppose the Raiders could beat the Chiefs or at least be like winning for a good chunk of the game, but the odds are they're going to be in another trailing game script, which isn't as good, uh, but it doesn't matter if he's getting enough volume. You got to start him at running back too. And then finally, Chiefs, uh, Isaiah Pacheco looks fantastic, and honestly, he looks better than Clyde at times. But Clyde is really the only one you can trust starting right now. I think they could shift more workload to Pacheco, but Pacheco gets like no involvement in the receiving game. He's only on early downs, and we still can only project him for like probably upper single digits in carries. He's not going to get that many touches, and so very high upside handcuff needs to be rostered in 100% of leagues. But right now, Clyde's the only one you can trust. Uh, Clyde should see around maybe like. 14 to 17 touches kind of depends on game script and overall volume. But in that general range, around 15, 16, like that's a good like median outcome for him. Should be a featured weapon at the goal line, uh, you know, despite it's weird. Like in previous years, he was never used at the goal line. He had 12 touchdowns over his first 27 career games. And then all of a sudden this year, it's like every time they get close, they want to use Clyde. You know, he's got five touchdowns through four games now. So weird shift. It'll probably continue because he's been very, very good at converting in those opportunities. Uh, just weird that now it's like in the past, he was getting all these touches and it was like, well, he can't score though. So he doesn't have that upside. Now it's like he gets much fewer touches, but now he, he's scoring all these touchdowns. Like it's weird how these things uh, kind of flip year over year. But yeah, he, he's getting enough touchdowns where I think you just ride that. You just start at running back too. You hope he scores again. You hope he continues to be good. So that's my breakdown of every backfield this week. You can see my exact rankings and projections for every scoring format on my website, thefancefootballadvice.com. And if you want a free game-by-game -game breakdown for every position, you can also find that in the description box as well. I'll be back tomorrow to go over wide receiver starts and sits. Saturday, to go over my favorite plays this week. But that, my friends, is the end of this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, how about hitting the like button? How about subscribing to the channel if you're new here? Thanks for watching.